innocent mistake of, um, of saying, hey, talk on what you like. as an overview, and maybe some things that, that I didn't know about Advent. You've got to understand that I, I came from a background where I wasn't perhaps quite so used to uh, a structured church here in the way that many people are. And so Advent to me was a bit of a surprise and adventure. By the way, I'm sorry, David, I've got red candles and you've got purple this year. I, I, <laughs> I thought it was red last year, so I did my best. But So I've had a look at it, and, and, and I just want to share some thoughts with you. Not working? Right. Do you want to, it's there. <laughs> Excuse me. I thought I'd uh, I did the two second press on thing, but uh, <laughs> okay. Should be on there. Speak. Speak. I warned him to turn it right down. I think most of you know me. I, in one sense, I don't need a mic. I know we we have it for all sorts of reasons for people to help them with the hearing and things like that, but. Uh, uh, I've got enough powers is in the voice to, to keep it going. But anyhow, thinking about Advent and thinking about the seasons. You know, most amazing thing happened to me this morning. I was having a shower. Don't worry, it won't get any worse than that. But, the, the, but there's a Velops window in, in, in our upstairs where the shower is. And as I was standing in the shower, all of a sudden, the whole of the shower cubicle was flooded with sunlight. Because the sun, I actually watched as I was showering. I mean, what a privilege. I'm so grateful. But I watched the sun rise. And that bit where you've got the clouds, and it was that gap between the clouds and the horizon line, and the sun just came up. And as I showered, washed the beard, did all that, I saw the sunrise, and I thought, you know, in, in summer, the sun sort of sets, rises way over there, but in the winter, almost as we get into the longest day, it's dead in line with, it happens to be dead in line with the window that I look out of from the shower. And it just reminds me in the morning where the sun rises and in the evening in the winter where it sets there and then in the summer it sets right down the centre of our garden. So the whole thing reverses. And it just reminds me about the seasons. And there's a sense in which we're going to talk about Advent and this idea of the seasons and that we're coming to this time of year. And I'm so glad we're coming to this time of year when we think about something very special. We think about Advent, and I'm still using that word because we're going to investigate it. So, if you look at a, a dictionary definition, excuse me when I turn around from time to time, I can't always read the back screen, and there's going to be times when I'm, I'd rather read the verses with you, but stay with me. So, here's a di dictionary definition. Pulled it off, and, and it says, one, the arrival of a notable person or thing. Now, I, I couldn't think of the arrival of a notable person other than Jesus. So we don't often use the word Advent in relation to people, but we do sometimes use the word Advent. So you might say, a bit sad, the advent of television or the advent of the motor car, the coming of the motor car or the coming of, uh, of television. So that's one way that you use the dictionary definition. But the other one, which is obviously the one that we're going to think a little bit more about, is the first season, which is why I mentioned the idea of seasons, of the church year leading up to Christmas and including the four preceding Sundays. And this is the first Sunday and that candle's been lit, and it was lovely to see that lit and to see our hearts as we were just moved to think about the Lord, to think about the fact that we're here because of him, because of what he's done, because of this time that's going to lead up to Christmas. So we're going to sort of work our way through things, but, you know, when you start thinking about Christmas, in one sense, and I know you know where I'm coming from, so think, think your thoughts, but Christmas at in one sense, for many people, has been hijacked, okay? Christmas, to many people, 
I'm not saying to you here, although, we, you know, we all see television, I'm seeing the adverts, I'm seeing the elves, I'm seeing Father Christmas, I'm seeing the jingle bells, I'm seeing a commercial season when, when, when traders, I, I get where they're coming from, I'm not being critical in that sense, but, you know, it's all about hijacking what is precious to me and to you and taking it and turning it into a fantastic opportunity to make money. Okay, I, I'm not against commercialism in that sense, in one sense, but... So many people, they don't get to think about Christmas in the way that we're going to today and about this season. They think about presents, they think about Father Christmas, they think about um, mince pies and turkey and all those things. They think about Christmas trees. They think about everything like that. And the last thing that they normally think about or might pay lip service to, the last thing that they think about is actually the fact that God, it was said so beautifully this morning, that God came into this world as a baby became a human being. You know, that is just amazing. So that's how a lot of people, that's about as far as they get with the idea of Christmas. But for you and I, when we think about this idea of Christmas in the sense of giving, the idea of presents, then we think about Christmas and about this idea of receiving presents and gifts and we need to remember what God gave, don't we? And so we've got one of those great verses of Scripture um, it's, it's, I forgot to put the reference, it's John chapter 3 and verse 16. Let's just all read it together, because I think it's worth us just reading the scriptures together today, putting them into my hearts. We haven't got a big formal reading, so we've got some verses, so let's read this one together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Isn't that amazing? God gave. It struck me as I, I was thinking of that scripture in the Old Testament. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Oh, God knew all about it long, long before it ever happened, before that amazing event happened that we've started to think about by lighting that candle as our minds go to that coming into the world of Jesus, that that, that was there and thought about even before the world was that God knew that for you and me to belong to him, it was going to require him to give his son to be a saviour. We're going to think about that as we go through. But there's another verse that's quite challenging. These are challenging verses, but they're wonderful. To those of you that know the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour, that, that love him, these are our verses that we rejoice in because of what God has done for us. It says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift... Of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you can see that's in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. This idea of Christmas presents and commercialism goes with gifts, but when you actually think about it, the greatest gift that has ever been given is the Lord Jesus Christ when he came into this world as a baby, when Father God gave his Son so that you and I can be saved. So that you and I, as that verse promises, can have eternal life. It's not of us. Because we just absolutely fail. It's all of God. All of what he has given so that you and I can know God. Oh, what a privilege to be able to say, Father God. Because we've been brought into a relationship. Because God's Son came into this world. What a gift God gave when he gave his Son. You know, the world wants to think about, we get back to it in a second, presence and all those sorts of things. But, you know, there are consequences. It's quite a strong verse. It says, 
The wages of sin is death. It's something to think about. You know, when we think about the coming into the world of the Lord Jesus, we're going to see as we go through this journey that it's just a bit more than just his, his coming into the world as baby Jesus. We'll think about that in some slides in a moment. But the reason that he came is, is that if we don't know God as our, the Lord Jesus as our Saviour, God as our Father, then we're in a position where, where God would have to judge us. And that it's that, it, there it says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. What a gift. That those of you here, I hope it's everyone in this room, now wouldn't that be great, that if you know Jesus as your Saviour, you have eternal life because God has given it you as a gift. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that amazing? Now, that really ought to be some hallelujahs and things like that. I'm not, not great into that, but you know, if you want to say a hallelujah, that's fine by me, because that is wonderful. What a thing God's done. What an amazing thing that he's saved you and he's given you eternal life through his son. That is amazing. God is wonderful. Getting back to presents for a moment, though. To get those presents, some of you, I don't know who, who you know, I know a lot of it's online, but sometimes we, we battle and we get the idea of presents and all those things, and we need to do the second part of the slide. You can see... Shopping baskets. So there's shopping. Whether it's online these days and it's a press and a click of a button or what, it's almost like we've got to the point where Christmas is so disembodied it can be on a Christmas with a couple of buttons and a press. Oh, that's that present sorted out. That's that thing done. Oh, yeah, I've got this auntie to do. I've got that to do. But there's those sorts of things. And sometimes, going back to this idea of commercialism, sometimes, you know, we think about Christmas. What do we see in so many shops and so many signs? We don't see Christmas. We see Xmas. I'll put it like that. And I thought, that's interesting, what's that about? Well, there's the sort of commercial type picture you see in the, the little picture of elves and snowmen and all those things. Anything but Christ. So we might think about it. Now, I, I learned something here. I didn't know this, so I, I hope this is okay. We might think about, you know, you could, you could say in this world, well, let's cross Christ out of Christmas. Let's have Xmas because that means, yeah, we can concentrate on the presents and the Christmas trees and all the commercialism and we can forget about Christ at Christmas. I'm so glad we're not doing that this morning, are we? We're thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ. We're thinking about what he's done for you and I, that he's saved us, that he's brought us into a relationship, that God's given everything. We rejoice, we celebrate, we remember what Jesus means to us. But to the world out there, and I, I say it, you know what I mean when I say that language. They like to, you could put the X and say, let's cross Christ out of Christmas. That's a hard view. Or to some, X is the unknown. You know, you live in a world where if you start to talk to people about Jesus, and about, you have to, go, you have to start from such a, a long way back down the line. There are people out there that haven't got a clue about Jesus haven't got a clue that he's the saviour of the world, haven't got a clue unless we talk to them and share with them what he means to us as Christians, as ones that are Christ ones, if you like, identified with Jesus because he's our saviour. And we have to get out there and talk to people and build relationships so that we can talk about Jesus because so many people do not know what the Christ in Christmas is about. We do here, sitting here, as people that know Jesus... But there are people out there that to him it's the big X. They haven't got a clue. They know about the presents. They know about the Christmas trees. They know about all those things. They don't know about Jesus as a saviour. They don't even know about him. So we have a responsibility, don't we? But here's the interesting thing. So it's not all doom and gloom, but I would reckon for 99% of the population, they wouldn't know this last X. I think David probably would know it. The X comes from the Greek letter 
chai or chi, which is the first letter of the Greek word. Um, for, for it's, it, in Greek, it's Christos, which is English, is Christ. So for some people, going back, the word X actually was the first letter of the word Christ, and therefore they used to say Christmas as an abbreviation, which is great. John knows that good, so that's good. But I, I didn't know that. And so, you know, I, I think most people in the world, if, they don't, if they're not Christians and they perhaps haven't even thought about it, know the first two X's or might think about it that way. But in fact, it is actually, in one sense, Christmas. But it's not very easy. It's a lot easier when you've got an X there to sort of get the Christ out of Christmas, isn't it? And to get it into where people want to go. Now, remember that second, second, that second dictionary definition. Advent, the first season of the church year leading up to Christmas and including the four preceding Sundays. So, Let's think about that for a little bit more. The word advent is derived from the Latin word adventus, which is a translation of the Greek parousia, and it means coming. Okay, Now, that, that really is, is, is wonderful. It means coming, which is tremendous. Let's explore a little bit further. So, first coming of Christ. So we're using the word now. When we've got the word advent, it's a nice easy word because it could, it could mean anything unless you know what it means. It means coming. And I'm going to look at it in the context of the first coming of Christ into the world, his nativity. So let's think about that word nativity for a minute. It's not difficult. It means the occasion of a person's birth and you can use that. We don't use it so often of other people about their nativity, but primarily the birth, the nativity of Jesus Christ. I just want you to look at that. There's no words on that slide. I did it deliberately. I found that slide. And for me, you know, we get Christmas all hyped up. We've talked about the commercialism. But sometimes we need to remember that when those angels gave that command to that shepherd, those shepherds, to go and find that place where a baby was laid in a manger. The shepherds, we know all the places where the mangers were. And it may or may not be the case. You know, I don't even think it was... A, I personally, it's only my personal view, so, you know, don't worry about it, you have other views. I don't even think it was a stable. I don't think it was as advanced. I mean, I think that's being generous. You know, it may be that the creator of the universe laid his baby in a manger and, and he looked up and saw the stars. I don't know. But sometimes we just need to quieten our hearts, don't we? And think that the one that is God came into this world as a baby. The creator, the one that we acknowledge and bow the knee in our hearts as king of kings and lord of lords, came as a baby born of, a, of, of that Virgin Mary in lowly, humble circumstances. I think sometimes the language of the idea of refugee and all those things come out. And the only people that came at that time were some shepherds. Not the most popular group of people, shepherds in those days. A bit of a bunch. But they were the ones that God told. Because they know that when God came into the world in that first coming, when he chose to become a human being, when he chose to understand about, about that, that amazing thing of that conception and of that birth, of that coming into the world... He was born in those lowly circumstances. And I just love that slide, that picture there of the stars and of a man and of a woman and of those shepherds just coming and being amazed that God would come into this world in this absolutely amazing, wonderful way. You know, most of us were born in hospitals, in warm environments and places he was a babe that was born in the most lowliest of circumstances. Whatever your view about whether it was a stable or a shelter or a bit of marking a cliff or whatever it was, 
you know, it wasn't in a palace and it wasn't with lots of people around. And God looked on and saw his son. And we sometimes lose that, don't we? We forget that. The wonder of it, the awesomeness of it, the amazement of it, that God should choose to come into this world in this way as a baby. And he did that for you. And he did that for me. So that I can be, have a relationship with God because God's son came into this world. His first coming as he came into the world as that baby in those lowly circumstances. So, we, you know, as we go through and think about these things in more detail in the coming weeks, and as we think about Christmas, just remember that. Just remember what God was willing to do. Not some great palace, but a stable or a manger in some place under the stars in that land. How amazing. Four Sundays to reflect and think about the first coming of Jesus as a baby. Now, that's the next thing I want to talk about. Many of us are okay with the idea of baby Jesus. You talk to people about baby Jesus, and that's okay. Because a baby, they're lovely. You know, you know what I mean. They're lovely. And we all love them. Uh, and, and, and we all don't feel, if I can use the language, we don't feel threatened by a baby. You know where I'm coming from, don't you? We don't feel threatened by a baby. But that baby, his name was Jesus. And the scriptures tell us that the father sent the son, the father has sent his son to be the saviour of the world. You remember? You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We're going to see it in a moment. I'm sort of jump ahead of the slides sometimes. But... Here's the most amazing thing. The Father sent his Son to be the saviour of the world. So, people love Christmas and they love the baby Jesus, but we've got to realise that we need to go on a journey. That that coming into the world as a baby had a purpose and a reason. Here was a baby that was born to die, was born to be a sacrifice, was born to be a saviour. And we need to just remember that. Let's always just marvel in the wonder of that coming into the world of God as a baby. But let's also remember that there's that, because we need to have this journey. Remember, we start at the manger, we start at Christmas, and I'm so glad that we remember it. We need to do that. We need to just dwell upon these things and think upon these things. But we also need to know and the world doesn't like these things, that, that, that the scripture says, she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from, the, from their sins. And we need to go, all of us. We've all done that journey that we've loved thinking about Jesus, but we know him as a saviour. We've asked him to be our saviour. I've asked him to be my saviour because he was the one that grew in grace and favour with God and men. That God delighted as he saw his son grow as that human being, delighted him as he saw him grow, as he was coming to that point where he was going to do his father's will and was going to go all the way to Calvary, was going to go all the way to the cross. So we really are covering it this year. We've got Christmas, we're coming into Easter now. And I don't say it in a flippant way, but we need to see this journey. We are going somewhere with this, by the way. We will get to a point in a minute, you'll see what, why I'm going down this route. Because we need to think about these things, because it says, he is not here, 
for he is written, as he said. That's Matthew, he's risen, as he said. So I like that picture because it just shows an empty tomb, but it shows those crosses as well, just to remind us that we go from the manger to that life that was lived, to that sacrifice on the cross, to the fact that God delighted in his son and has raised him from the dead and that he's a living saviour. That is amazing. Because remember that the word Advent is derived from the Latin word Adventus, meaning coming. Because here's another dictionary definition as we're moving forward. Advent is a season observed in many Christian churches as a time of expectant waiting and preparation for the celebration of the nativity of Jesus at Christmas, as well as the return of Jesus at the second coming. We're moving on a little bit with Advent. The term is a version of the Latin word coming. Now we've thought about nativity, we've thought about Jesus and his name, and we've thought about Christmas. We've done those things. But, it goes on, by the 6th century, Roman Christians had tied Advent to the coming of Christ. But the coming they had in mind was not Christ's first coming in the manger in Bethlehem, which we, we need to keep thinking about, but his second coming in the clouds as a judge of the world. And I was just absolutely thrilled that the second song that we sang this morning and the verse about coming in the clouds, well, here we go. So just to finish that little piece of verse, uh, that little bit of word about the Advent, it says it was not until the Middle Ages that the Advent season was, in ex- was explicitly linked to Christ's first coming at Christmas, which we've thought about and are thinking about, and we see the candle and we remember, and we will continue in these coming weeks to remember. But those Christians at that time thought about his second coming. Now let's read this verse together because this is a great promise and something that I look forward to. I hope you can all just about see the words. Let's read it together. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Wow. Isn't that... You know, I get excited about that for the reasons that we've talked about because it was his first coming. He's coming again. Yeah? He's coming again. He's going to take you and you and you and you and me to be with him. Now, he's not coming as a baby this time. He's coming with power and authority and command He's coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. And you and I, because of what Jesus did when he came the first time, are going to be associated and identified and be with him. We're not just remembering in our minds and by faith and the Bible and the scriptures. We're actually going to be with him in the clouds because that's what he's promised. And there's one thing I know about God. He doesn't break his promises. And if he says he's coming, he's coming. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm excited about that. Do you realise, if that verse happened in my lifetime, it means I don't get to die. 
Not in that sense. I mean, if I do, so be it, because it doesn't bother me, because the verse there says that the dead in Christ, those that are asleep in Christ, shall rise first, and then those of us that are alive, with those that have come out of the tombs, together we're going to meet the Lord in the air. Wow, fantastic. What a promise. What a, what a prospect. I hope that, ex- well, it, you've worked out it excites me. It excites me that in this world of Brexit and all the things that are going on in this world, that God, David, really challenged my heart on, on Tuesday. God is sovereign. God will overrule. God will keep his promises. He is going to come. And you and I are going to be with him. Wow. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, amen to that one. Yes, indeed. And that is a promise. You see, there were those that thought at the time of the writing of that verse that, 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 that it already happened. And Paul needed to tell them about something that's called a mystery. It doesn't mean it wasn't understood, it was just hidden. And he's revealed it and put those things that God has caused, those words to be put in his word, the scriptures, that tell us that Jesus is going to come again. And that is the next advent. That's the second advent. That's his coming to take you and me to be with him. Do you know, that ought to affect us. A guy called Martin Luther. You try typing Martin Luther, you keep getting Martin Luther King. And I thought, no, 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 no. I found this quote. It says, preach. I put the full quote in because you can get the, the short version. But it says, preach and live as if Jesus was crucified yesterday, rose from the dead today and is returning tomorrow. Now, he was a, a Protestant reformist. He challenged the whole concept of the way that we could talk to God. And he said that you're saved by faith through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like others, that was his view. That's what I believe today. That is amazing. It's not on me. It's not on works. It's not on any priest. It's nothing else. It's the work and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Martin Luther was one of those people that was, was at that time willing to stand up for those things. But he said this, and it's this bit. Live as if Jesus was crucified yesterday, rose from the dead today, and is returning tomorrow. So are you ready for tomorrow? Does that mean if he came tomorrow, would you be ready? Are you expecting that? It it doesn't mean that he will come tomorrow, but there's a word that we need to think about. We should live in the imminency of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It ought to affect the way you and I live our lives. If we believe that Jesus was going to come tomorrow, we'd make sure that we had those conversations, that we spoke to those people, that we did those things that, oh well, as it says in James, I'll do that next year. I've got my plans for 2020, I retire, 2022, I'm going to do this and that. James actually talks about, in the, you can read it for yourself, he says, don't assume about that for tomorrow, if the Lord wills. And God's got his purpose and his timetable, and his timetable might be that tomorrow the Lord comes, and you and I go to be with him. But it's a bit scary, because there's people I keep praying for that I want to, God to save in his goodness, and you know, I want God to save my grandchildren. I'm selfish like that. I want God to do these amazing things, because what God has blessed me with, I so much want for other people as well. But Martin Luther, if you like, he said, basically, live in the imminency of the coming of the Lord. So, just in summary, as we come to the end of our time, we thought about Advent, the coming in relation to his nativity, the way that it's generally thought of today. And I'm so glad that we are looking and thinking about his birth, his coming into this world, what he has done. We've gone on that journey from Jesus from his nativity to him being saviour. We've thought about the fact that he is risen, and we've thought about Advent, his second coming from heaven to take us to be with him. What a prospect, what a promise. I hope that just encourages you. I hope it thrills you. I hope as you think about all the things that are going on at Christmas that we just focus in on our Saviour, on the Lord Jesus, and just rejoice in what he has done and who he is. Thank you.
Let's stand together and worship.